Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Welcome back to another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. My favorite subject. Well, after Spain, more than half of the group continued to Morocco. Now, since we were in the south of Spain, we took a ferry from the port of Tarifa to Tangier, then a train from Tangier to Casablanca, and then on to Marrakesh by road. Had some wonderful surprises in Morocco, like... Moroccan wine. Yes, I discovered Moroccan wine for the first time. Morocco is considered to have the best natural potential for producing quality wines because of its high mountains and the cooling influence of the Atlantic. So these are factors that make for a nice environment for vineyards. And most of the vineyards are at the foothills of the Atlas Mountains, which we went as well. The most or the vast majority of wine that's produced in Morocco is the red grape. And I did taste some really nice Moroccan wines. One in particular was a Syrah that I really loved. But they also do Tempranillos, Grenache, and Sansol. So try them out. Yeah, that was a nice surprise. But in addition to going to Marrakesh, as I said, we went to the Atlas Mountains and had a fabulous time at a luxury campsite. We rolled in, or at least most of us did, on camels. Yeah, the people that were already there stood up and watched us coming in because I think it was about 16 of us on camels. There were about 25 of us that stayed over and went to Morocco. But as I said, most of us decided to arrive to the camp by camel. And it was a wonderful experience because it was a slightly longer ride than you would normally get when you go to places where they basically just stand up and you take the photos or maybe you do a once around. But in this case, we were on the camels for about 30 minutes as we made our way over to the camp. And uh, I have some photos and videos of that. So you want to make sure that you follow me on social media so that you can see those images as well. But in addition to the luxury camp, we visited a village at Les Mountains and we got together and they showed us how they prepared their tangine and not just showing us, we participated. We cut the vegetables and we prepared the meats and I made bread Oh my goodness. Uh, Unfortunately, my phone tapped out for some reason and I didn't get all of the images that I wanted of me making bread. I mean, I really made the bread from scratch with the head lady of the house. I did take a picture with her though. Had such a great time. And so today we are bringing you our experience live from Morocco. Our national tour guide, Anise, is joining me, and I interviewed some other people along the way and also got some really good, what we call live track or wild track sounds in the Marrakesh marketplace. So stay tuned for that in the culture report. Buckle up and join me live from Morocco. Of course, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and the culture report. But let's get into a little travel news. 
Frontier Airlines is coming out with an all-you-can-fly pass. That's going to be coming out in 2023. Frontier Airlines, as you know, is a discount carrier, and they're calling the pass Go Wild. It'll launch in the spring of 2023. It'll be valid for 12 months for over 300 days of travel in the year. They have not set the pricing yet, or at least announced the pricing yet. Some other airlines have tried it some time ago, like JetBlue, for example, about a decade ago, had a pass that included travel on Fridays and Sundays and was more expensive than that one that included those dates. So this isn't the first time that an airline have have done passes. Many years ago, they used to have passes as well. But I'm interested to see how this will go, go wild as it is, go wild pass, and see what it will have to offer, especially for people who travel a lot or think they're going to travel a lot over the next year. It might be something you want to look into. So stay tuned for that as they roll out more information. When we fly, we know that sometimes there are delays, but wouldn't it be nice if you could know in advance when your flight would be potentially delayed? Well, there are tricks you can use to determine whether or not you're going to have a delay or the potential of having a delay. I mean, one of the main reasons that there is a delay is weather. So certainly if there's bad weather, you can almost predict that you're going to have a delay. And you don't want to just look at the departure or the origin or the destination. You want to look at what's happening in route between the two, because sometimes bad weather could be in the atmosphere along the route, because I've been perplexed by that sometimes too, when they say it's weather. And I'm looking at the origin where I am and at the destination. And I'm saying, well, there's no bad weather there, but sometimes it's in route. So that's something that you may want to pay attention to that you can tell whether or not there's a higher potential for a delay flight. So again, weather is the most obvious, but weather's not the only reason. There could be a delay, which is monitored by the Bureau of Transportation Statistics. It publishes a monthly report of information. In 2021, weather caused roughly a quarter of each month's delays on average, and other causes included late arrival of an aircraft due to a previous delay. So if your aircraft, for example, was departing from another city before it came to you and it experienced a delay for maintenance or crew issues or even just heavy traffic, you know there's going to be a snowball effect that if it's delayed in the front end, it's going to be delayed as the day goes on and in the back end. So again, that's among some of the most common cause of flight delays is if there's a maintenance or crew issue or your flight is going to be late coming in. Now, if you want to know if the plane's inbound status is going to be delayed, Delta, for example, has on their app, Where's My Plane, where you can track it. And if you're not on the airline's app, you can use Flight Aware to track the same information. And it's an app that you can download or you can access it online so that you can check your flight and where it's coming from and whether or not there is a delay there. And then when it comes to delays that are dictated by the national airspace system, including those as a result of non-extreme weather and traffic, the details are not only provided to pilots and air traffic controllers, but they also made available to the public. 
that's where flight tracking programs step in. There's one called Flighty. So for example, it's specifically designed to pull all the available data about your flight, decode and interpret it because now this particular information may not be as straightforward or in layman's terms, as we should say. And while you can certainly look up all the information on your own, it takes certainly a bit of effort. You really want to look into an app of sorts that can automate that process for you. It's not free. So if you're looking at an app or if you really want to know if your flights are going to be delayed in advance, you may want to pay for an app like Flighty or like Flight Aware. So there you go. You're in the know <laughs> on whether or not you can expect a flight to be delayed or if there's a high probability of it. Now, Aisha Bow has become the first black woman set to travel to space with Jeff Bezos and the founded Blue Origin. She's not the first black woman to go to space, but specifically to travel to space with Jeff Bezos. In her post on LinkedIn, the STEM board founder and CEO revealed that she is anticipating becoming the sixth black woman and the first to fly on Blue Origin's New Shepard to head to space. As the first black woman confirmed to fly with Blue Origin on New Shepard, she wrote the following, I'm expected to be the sixth black woman to cross the Carmen line, the internationally recognized boundary of space. And following in footsteps, she follows the trailblazers like Mae Jameson, who became the first black woman to travel to space in 1992. She also says that since then, there are only four other black women who carry that distinction. NASA astronauts Stephanie Wilson, Joan Higginbottom, Jessica Watkins, and Dr. Sian Proctor of the SpaceX Inspiration4 mission. Bo is a former NASA rocket scientist and the creator of Stemboard. The engineering solutions company has been recognized by Inc. 5000 as one of the fastest growing companies in America. And what's more, she has raised nearly $2 million in venture capital funding for Lingo. As Afrotech previously reported, Lingo is a self-paced coding kit designed to help students learn technical concepts at home. Now, according to Bo's website, her journey just began in a pre-algebra class in community college. Since then, she has gone on to earn a bachelor's degree in aerospace and a master's in space systems engineering from the University of Michigan. Currently, she serves as her alma mater's Aerospace Department Industry Advisory Board. Now, the airlines are looking to make a strong holiday travel demand. Two common themes ran through quarterly earning reports for airlines in the last couple of weeks. One was a robust return to profit thanks to an extraordinary spring and summer travel season. And also, they're looking forward to a robust holiday season. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and of course, the New Year period that is coming up. Southwest Airlines has certainly bolstered this claim, as well as JetBlue and other major and or legacy carriers, including some international carriers like Lufthansa. So I think we have a good 2023 to look forward to. Now, New Jersey is creating a Black Heritage Trail. The trail will make it easier for travelers to find Black history landmarks throughout the state. The state creates a new Black History Trail thanks to a bill signed by Governor Phil Murphy back in September. 
which appropriates $1 million for selecting relevant sites throughout the state. And it's putting up historical markers and promoting the experience. New Jersey played a crucial role in the Underground Railroad as Harriet Tubman guided enslaved people through the state and all the way up to Canada to reach freedom. When speaking about public awareness of New Jersey's black history, State Assemblyman Antoine McClellan and a primary sponsor of the bill to establish the Black History Trail says, it's growing and there's a chance for it to expand. Following the Underground Railroad route by bicycle is an option as well. McClellan envisions many demographics visiting the trail, including people who are history buffs, people who are not history buffs, and people who are looking for things to do other than just beaches and the boardwalks. He also wants to incorporate information about food and lodging into the trail's promotion, including Black-owned businesses that may not be historic, but will add to the traveler experience, especially for those unfamiliar with the region. No sites have been officially confirmed for the trail yet, but McClellan hopes to include the Harriet Tubman Museum, which opened on Juneteenth, 2021 in the popular beach destination of Cape May. Tubman lived there in the 1850s, working as a cook in hotels and family homes. Well, that's all I've got for travel news, but when I come back, I'll have Javon's Travel Minute and our experience in Morocco. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com, connect with me on social media, and make sure you join the Travel Club because we go some fantastic places. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. When I travel, I like to assess my travels upon my return and determine what I've learned or discovered. On my recent trip to Spain and Morocco, I realized how much walking other cultures, or at least these two cultures do. Older cities weren't designed for vehicular traffic and therefore people walk a lot. Alternatively, Americans do not. This proved to be challenging for our group as we had two to three hour walking tours that several in our group just could not do. Many asked or commented about the need for more people movers, a.k.a. elevators and escalators. Now, of course, there are elevators in hotels, but they are limited at venues and attractions, even at museums. They're not immediately in the front as we're accustomed to. I also noticed I didn't see many people with canes or walking aids. It could be, as they say, if you don't use it, you lose it. So are our creature comforts and accessible lifestyles making us less capable in our later years? Is this the cause of our aging limitations? Should we take heed and park the car, get out and walk, and take the stairs? Something to think about. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. You know that we were recently in Spain, 
And immediately following, more than half of the group traveled to Morocco. We were there for five days and four nights. Our travels took us to Tangier, Casablanca, Marrakesh, and the Atlas Mountains. Joining me today is our national tour guide, Anis Vanessa. We spent quite some time together in Morocco because he greeted us as we arrived from our ferry in Tangier. Well, hello, Anis, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Thank you. Happy to be with you. Yes, and it was such a great experience traveling through Morocco with you, albeit a very short time. I'm sure there was a lot we didn't see, but we certainly covered a lot while we were there. How long have you been a tour guide in Morocco? For more than uh, 12 years. 12 years? Yes. What made you become a tour guide? You know, so I was born in Marrakesh, and, you know, Marrakesh is a 100% tourism city. So uh, we had some tour guides, and we still have some tour guides in the family. I grew up seeing uh, some celebrities also visiting our home. And yeah, so I was interested the whole time to work as a tour guide. You do such a great job of it. It's a very personable experience with you. Now, you said that you were in Marrakesh. You were born and raised there. Oh, yes. So born in Marrakesh, raised here for 10 years, and then moved to a small village near the city. So my dad had to work in a sugar factory here in the region. So I've spent there also about 10 years in that village. And we had a wonderful treat that you walked us through and past the area where you were a young boy in Marrakesh. So that was a nice experience. (laughs) That was very, very, very nice. What would you say is the biggest misconception about Morocco? A few people that I talked to even before I went, but also when I've returned and I've said, you know, we went to Morocco. One question they asked me is that I have to wear a burqa. And I thought that's an interesting question because burkas are specific to a particular country, which is not Morocco. But I think maybe sometimes certain areas are painted with one brush, and that's certainly not the case. Morocco has its own mixture of cultures, mixture of ethnicities. First of all, Morocco is a country where two big religions live together, which is Islam and Judaism. So I think you already know that we had and we still have a Jewish community in Morocco. So they are Moroccans. They belong to the country. They were here before Muslims, before Muslims came to the country. I'll tell you something. It's a saying from our King Hassan II, how he described the country. And it's a famous saying. So Hassan II is the father of the current king, ruled from 1961 to 1999. And he said that Morocco is like a tree whose roots lie in Africa, but whose leaves breathe in European air. This makes Morocco different. So don't confuse us with Arabs. So we are not Arabs. So we are Moroccans. Moroccans are a mixture of a lot of ethnic groups. So Jews and Africans, Arabs, Berbers, the indigenous. So they all lived together for a long time and gave these new Morocco, I would say. So new Morocco rich with all these mixtures. So, um, what is your favorite part of Morocco? 
<laughs> so oh yeah, sure. I'm from Marrakesh. Uh, Marrakesh is my favorite part, but look, all Morocco is different. This is the beauty of the country. It's a small country if you compare it to the U.S. So Morocco is uh, tiny, and we do have all uh, different nature. So from snow to deserts, mountains. So we, we have really a rich nature. So and this is the beauty of this country, of Morocco. Each region, they have their own lifestyle. And this gives Morocco its richness, so cultural richness. Yeah. So you started with saying that Marrakesh is your favorite, maybe because you yeah. were born there. You have some childhood memories there. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe. But Marrakesh gave the country its name. So Morocco is derived from Marrakesh. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about the places we visited, starting with Tangier. Of course, it's a Moroccan port on the Strait of Gibraltar. And yeah. uh, as you talk about the roots in Africa and the leaves in Europe, you know, I think Tangier yeah. is very evident of that. What part of the country is Tangier in? So Tangier is a city uh, in the north, far north Morocco. It's a city, a special city with two coastlines, so the Mediterranean and Atlantic. And it's a special city, was once an international city. And a lot of writers and artists lived there, famous art, writers and artists, from Henry Maris to Paul Bowles. And it's the gate to Africa. And it's the link, it's the link between Africa and Europe. So what are some of the things that one must do when they visit Tangier? There's a lot of places to visit Tangier, starting from the Kasbah, the old city, the oldest part. So uh, you visit the Kasbah, you visit the Petit Soko, it's the small market, and there is a, the Grand Soko, which is the center of the old city. So you, you can visit the church, there is Funduks in there also, it is an archaeology museum and surely American legation. And it is also a beautiful contemporary art museum. So uh, there's a lot, lot to see in the city Tangier. And just the view, uh, I think you've seen it, the view, especially at night. So you see the lights of Europe and it's a special city in its own. And if you want to start visiting Morocco, why not starting with the city Tangier? Could be a start point or an end point. You talk about the view. You walked us through the Kasbah and also walked us up so that we could get an excellent view of the port city, the ocean. It was absolutely a beautiful mm -hmm. sight to see. But you mentioned Kasbah. Is that a general term or what does Kasbah mean? Kasbah is a uh, fortress means fortress. Could be a city or a, a whole uh, building surrounded with wall and having towers, defending towers. So these kind of style, we call it Kaspar. I think it's very important to walk around the city because it gives you that feel of a day in the life of a Moroccan and to really not only experience it and see certain things that you can only see by foot, but also to be up close and personal with people and get the vibe of a city when you walk it, you yeah. know, and you can go in small places that you're going to miss if you're not walking. 
Yeah, sure. And also, for a lot of people, they already read the famous novel, The Alchemists. I think the writer mentioned the city Tangier and how it's the life in there. So if you go and walk in the alleyways, uh, so you get the feeling like the old times. We like to keep the old style. So we are here in Morocco, stuck in between the modernity and the old times. And I can definitely see that when I was there. And it's something special really to witness and to be a part of. So from Tangier, we took the high-speed train. I believe it's called the Al Borak. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, from Tangier to Casablanca. A very lovely ride and a very easy and nice way to get from Tangier to Casablanca. Yes. (laughs) Really enjoyed that experience. One thing I will say, and Anise can attest to, is please travel light because getting your luggage on and off the train (laughs) can be a bit of a challenge. <laughs> and like uh, most Americans, our group had way too much luggage, but we managed it barely, but we did manage it. But yeah, <laughs> that's my travel tip to you is travel light, especially if you're going to travel to multiple cities anywhere you go, but especially <laughs> for Morocco. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the train service was very nice and it was a great way to get from A to B from Tangier to Casablanca. So I want to talk about Casablanca. It's also a port city, and it's a commercial hub in Morocco, also yeah. you know, along the Atlantic Ocean. So tell us about the architecture of Casablanca. So oh, the architecture. So we have two different architectures in Casablanca. So the oldest part of the city, Casablanca, which is what we call El Medina, or the old city. So it's a walled, again, it's a walled city dating back to the 18th century. Then we have the big town or the big city built by the French. And it's a place famous with art deco and art nouveau buildings. And it's an architecture from the 20s and 30s. And the whole facades, uh, there is still a lot of residences and keeping the old facades. And also the French respect the Moorish architecture at that time and tried to mix a little bit of architecture with their style. So and brought a beautiful, totally beautiful buildings to life. You can enjoy them every time visiting the, the city Casablanca. So they've built a lot of buildings mixing mosaic decoration and with so Zalish, what we call the Zalish tile work the famous Moroccan Zalish and mosaic decoration with Art Nouveau and Art Deco. Mm-hmm. So, and this is what people really love about the city Casablanca. And it's worth to visit. Plus, you know, the biggest mosque, Hassan II, one of the beauties of the city Casablanca. And it's uh, the only mosque that non-Muslim can visit from inside and it's worth really to see i think you, you've been there also and also uh, for a lot of people the fame of the city casablanca is connected to the movie casablanca so it's a beautiful city and it's is the biggest city now in the country with five million inhabitants Now, one thing that I hear a lot in describing the style of Casablanca is a Moorish style. What do we mean by that? Moorish style is a Moroccan 
is a Moroccan style, is a Moroccan architecture. Mm-hmm. It's work made by Moroccan handicraft artisans. So we have one of the best handicraft artisans in the world. So they still make beautiful handicraft like mosaics and leather work and stucco, stucco engravings and stucco design. And they still make beautiful wooden work. So a lot of ceilings in Morocco are still made with beautiful design, cedar wood. Mm-hmm. All these work is, is now famous in the world and uh, a lot of celebrities. They build now their houses hiring Moroccan madams, we call them madams, masters, some Moroccan masters, to decorate their homes. Are they particular patterns or is there a distinctive look to it? Yeah, sure. It's a special Moorish geometric design. And it's worth to see. So I invite you all to come here and see all that. (laughs) Of course, after Casablanca, we headed to somewhat of our final destination, which was Marrakesh. And of course, it was a former imperial city in Western Morocco. And that's where we had some wonderful experiences walking through the marketplaces. But it too was a walled medieval city dating back to the Berber Empire. So who were the Berbers and what and when was their empire? The Berbers are a group, the indigenous, so they were first living in the country, Morocco. There is really, they left no books. Their language was a written language. There is some books and some sources from the Romans and the Greek, in the Greek and ancient Egyptians, about Berber people lived, living in North Africa area known today as Morocco. Those sources are from 3000 and 2000 BC. Tell us about the mosque that we visited in Marrakesh. So the Kutubia Mosque. So the Kutubia Mosque is the emblem of the city of Marrakesh. And its name is derived from uh, the square near the mosque or connected to the mosque. And where we had an old manuscript and book market. So books in Arabic are kutubs and kutubs. Well, the market of kutubs is kutubia. And the mosque was built in the 12th century by Al-Muhad. So Al-Muhad's our dynasty uh, ruled the city or the country, the whole country, in the 12th century also. So... They took the power after the Almoravids. So both dynasties of Berbers just came uh, from different parts in the country. And it's a building from 1147. And the uh, Almohad Sultan Abdel Mumin wants to build a large mosque in the Western Muslim world. <laughs> it's a masterpiece of Islamic architecture. And the minaret was ended building it. So in 1199, they finished building the minaret in 1199. So from 1147 till 1199. So the son of Abdel Mubin, the Sultan Abdel his son finished building the Kutumia. So, and later, latest is model of building a lot of mosques in the country. 
And the same dynasty built also La Giralda, so the famous mosque in Seville, you know, the city of Seville in Spain, and built another, another mosque in Rabat, non finished, famous Hassan Tower. And as you see it now, normally it was restored to reveal its original pink color of the brickwork. So, but before that, the whole minaret was covered. You were talking about one of the towers as we were talking about the mosque, but I understand that some of these towers are visible for miles. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's visible for miles. Mm-hmm. You can see it from the suburbs or the city market. Now, one of the things that we did, you took us on a fabulous walking tour through the marketplaces. And Mm -hmm. we weren't even there during the busiest time, but it was busy to us. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it was a fabulous experience, really walking through the marketplace. And you gave us a little bit of a tasting tour as well. Mm -hmm. So really tell us about that experience and someone visiting and going through the marketplace and some of the things that we did and tasted to really learn more about the city and the vibe of Marrakesh and its marketplaces. Yeah, so to feel the city of Marrakesh, so you really have to talk. This is the key. You really have to talk with people or or start some conversations with people you think you can trust them. You don't have really talk with anybody, but just choose some people they look honest and try to start a conversation with them, have fun with them. So they like more as they like to talk and uh, have fun and say jokes and sit with them. They're sure they're going to invite you for a drinky tea, you know, the famous rock tea you can get everywhere, yeah. So everywhere you go, they're going to invite you for Moroccan tea. So uh, just try to give people time to know you. And then you'll see the the country from a different side. You're going to feel it better and better. What particular marketplace did you take us through? Oh, we were in the heart, in the center, in the downtown. So we uh, near the square. So uh, we've seen the crowd and visited also. We passed near some uh, artisans also, if you still remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we finished in the square, I think. We visited the real heart of the city, the most important place of the city. So starting from the empty alleyways we've seen to get the feeling of the city, and then we entered the market. So the markets where we all the shops and artisans. And then from there, we finished by by the square and visited some stores in there. We had some fun with the Jews guys. Yeah. Well, what kind of shops can you find in the marketplace? Everything made by Moroccan masters is there. So leather, weaving, all materials. And what about some of the food items. So do people go to shop for their meals and the things that they're going to use to prepare their meals? Yeah, sure. You can buy stuff in the food market. The, let some special restaurants cook the food for you. Food is very important. and It's a food made also by special people in the market. And we come, we Moroccans go there to buy all these stuff. So I think we visited the dry meat. Mm-hmm. The dry meat place, we tasted some also there. The dry meat is one of the best 
stuff you can't buy in Morocco, especially in Marrakesh. There is the olive, all kind of olives. There is also Moroccan pastry that you can buy and take home and enjoy with the family. So we visited the nuts, I think, the nuts and dry fruit market. And as I told you, it's a tradition to have all those dry fruits and nuts at home to be ready anytime we can, visitors. So you have them at home, so you just prepare the tea and serve that to the guests. What we could really see is that there was just about anything that you wanted or needed that you could get from the marketplace, from food to clothes. Even some of our group bought luggage because they oh, yes. their luggage even <laughs> broke. But there was just about anything that you could get there at the market for the daily life of a local person who lives there, but certainly as a tourist to walk by and visit. And then, of course, there were entertainers as well. Also, as you oh, yeah. mentioned, the juice stand that we stopped at. So just about anything oh, and yes. everything that you can find there in the marketplace. It's a busy place that everyone visits to take care of their daily needs and life and as well as tourist visiting. Yes. The market is like a circle that you have to start and finish. So you start from shopping clothes and shopping food. Then you end up in the square enjoying the fruit juice. And then go being entertained. So enjoy the whole entertainment in the square. And after that, you go happily sleep to home to sleep. Yes. Well, as I said, pretty much our final destination was Marrakesh. But we had a couple of other experiences before we finished up, which was to go to the Atlas Mountains. And then, of course, we had our night in the luxury tents in the Atlas Mountains or in the camp area, which was quite nice. So, Anissa, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure meeting you, seeing Morocco with you, and I hope to come back very soon. Yeah, so uh, I want to thank you also that you decided to come visit our country. And as I tell you all the time, this is your second country. You're welcome anytime and come all together back. So the whole group, yeah, they have to come back again and see a lot of stuff. And also other people, they were not here, so they're welcome. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. When I come back, I'll have the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. The website, TravelingCulturati.com. Go ahead and check it out. And while you're there, follow me on social media. And don't forget to join that travel club because we go some fantastic places, just like we've been talking about today, Morocco and Spain and so many other wonderful destinations and plans that we have coming up in 2023. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, food, music, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report, and we're continuing our experience in Morocco. And we had some wonderful experiences in Morocco, one of which was walking through the markets of Marrakesh. You just have to be there. And 
I have some wild track sounds for you so that you can hear what it was like to be right there in the midst of it all, walking in and out of the maze, if you will, of the marketplace. And then, of course, we finished in the center. But we did some tasting and we spoke with some of the locals. But I wanted to record what it sounded like to be right in the center of it all. So you'll hear that. We also visited a village that I talked to you about earlier. And we sat and had lunch with them. We had tea, a very welcoming tea, which we're going to tell you about here, the whole tradition of tea and what that means as a welcome into someone's home. And also to roll up our sleeves and help prepare our lunch, which was an excellent experience. So I want to really thank the family that hosted us. You talk about a group of 25 and they made that happen. And we drove in SUVs up to the mountain and visited the family and of course walked the rest of the way. So this is our guide, Muhammad, who put together the mountain tours that you can take to visit a village and to visit a family. The game he's playing now is very important. So to pour the tea on the, in the glasses and pour them again in the pot, all this to mix the flavor of all the herbs with the green tea flavor together and also the sugar, let sugar be mixed with it. So uh, it's a uh, process have to do, you have to do to get the best taste. And while we are using regular sugar, it is not the processed. It's actually more of a cream color, not a white yes, this processed. A little bit syrup. Yes, I will have a photo of it. It's in blocks, not processed. So it doesn't taste as sweet. Yeah, so you have to break the whole mold with a, a hammer. Is this a tea ceremony of sorts or more of a ritual with tea? No, it's just a daily drink that we are uh, used to it. In the old time, we did we drink it seven times a day. Can you tell us again about the sugar cane, um, if it's grown and cultivated here? Yes, in the north of Morocco, we have a lot of sugar cane fields. But the majority of Moroccan sugar is made from sugar bees. How long have you been mountain guide? From 2012. From 2000? About years now. And you're from here? I'm from this, not this house, but these people are my relatives. But I live in the other side of the village. It's called Taurirt village. The village name is Taurirt. Taurirt is a Berber name that means a hill or little mountain, dominion of Taurirt. And every village here in this area is known with something. For example, my village is known with salt. A lot of families here a long time ago used to make salt. But now just few families are still making salt. The reason is the salt is very cheap. Many people gave up because they don't earn much. That's why the, many people abandon that job and look for uh, new jobs instead. Oh, <laughs> it says, a good tea for good people. <laughs> and this village is known for what? Salt. This village salt. is also salt. Yeah, a long time ago. And still now we have some families are making salt. Besides the salt, also farming some uh, fruits and vegetables. And also we have some people are working now in tourism. Now we have a kasbah just nearby. It's about 10, 15 minutes from here. There is a kasbah baburika. A lot of people from my village are working there, like gardeners, like porters, at the reception. A lot of people from my village are working there, waiters as well. And then you're bringing tourism to the village as exactly. well. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Sorry? We have a city long time ago, it's called Ahmed. It's about 
15 kilometers from here. It's an old city, older than Marrakesh. Before Marrakesh was built, there was Ahmed here. And Ahmed is like a commercial area, a big city, and some traders or commercials, they come from Sub-Sahara on caravans, on uh, mules and a lot of camels as well. So they make like a soup there. People took from my village salt and they get some spices, gold, a lot of uh, things. And also there's another village at the other side of the river is known with pottery. Also, uh, they make a lot of pottery and they, they trade it. And just in 1990s, when I was a child, I still remember we used to take salt from here to that village. We trade them. We give them a bucket of salt. We get a lot of pottery instead. Yeah, Just we cross the river at the other side. I will show you later the village. It's at the other side. And that village a long time ago was Jewish village. Because the pottery, uh, Jewish people teach locals how to make pottery and in that village. But now it's not uh, Jewish anymore. Around 1967, all of them immigrated to Israel. And other people, Moroccans, took those houses and lived there. But still now they are making pottery, a lot of pottery. That one is it calls Amrar, and my village calls Tawrirt here. And all these uh, names are Berber names. Amrar, that means a flat place where a long time ago people used to, when they harvest crops, they make threshing. Threshing, not machine, but by uh, animals. A lot of donkeys. They make 10 or 12 donkeys together. When they collect their crops, they make 12 donkeys together and they run over the crops yeah. until they get uh, they thresh them from uh, grain, from the vessels and the straw, from the straw. So, Anise, tell us about the tea and what it means to visit someone and to have tea. It means that you are welcome. If you get a tea like this, that means the people are not really interested to have you at the house. So this is the welcome tea, yeah? And it's also beautiful to watch, yeah? Because it has the bubbles on top. So is this why we pour it from high yes, above? this is why we pour it from the high. Cool it down and also to get the bubbles. So beware, folks, if you're invited for tea and it does not have bubbles on top. <laughs> yes, you might want to go. Now that we all have our tea and we all have the bubbles on top, we know that we are welcome. So if you can tell us again, Anis. Yes, so we say, Besaha. 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 Good health. Termirt. Termirt. Ishwa. 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 And what is this drink here that we've gotten in the marketplace? So the herbs are absent and sage. And they're from the valley, from Orika Valley. And prior we had mint. So we had green tea and mint, then plus sage and absinthe. Yes, it is absinthe, the same herb that makes the drink absinthe. If you remember the movie Girls Trip and Tiffany Haddish's character bought that bottle of green liquor, that is absinthe. The herb is put in the tea. We drink it every day. We never felt this thing with us. No, don't worry, please. No, there's more of a process when you're making the liquor, <laughs> the absinthe, which was actually banned in the United States for many years. This, my folks, is the sounds of old Marrakesh, right in the center of it all. Well, I hope you have enjoyed our experience through Marrakesh. 
the marketplace and all of the wonderful things that we experience. I couldn't get it all in. I might just have to do another show and I think it may be invite some of our listeners and some of the people who traveled with us to talk about their experience. But as I said, in Morocco, we arrived in Tangier by ferry. We took the train to Casablanca and we took the road to Marrakesh. And in Marrakesh, we visited the markets, we visited the mosques, we visited a family and baked bread, learned how they made bread. It's a very simple recipe that I truly enjoyed doing. And we made tangine. We had a beef tangine. We had a chicken tangine and we had a vegetable one along with lentils and salad or vegetables and had such a wonderful time. And then going into the luxury camp, this is something you definitely want to do. It really makes you feel like you are in the desert. I mean, you are in the desert, but to arrive to your camp by camel. And we had like a camel caravan going into the luxury camp. And all of the rooms are en suite. And so you have your showers and very nice accommodations. And we had a nice farewell dinner. And we, of course, made it a party. We brought out our music. And after their singer finished, we started dancing. And then they joined in with us as well. So we had a really good time, and I hope you can hear that in the show today. And looking forward to going back. We have many more places that we need to visit in Morocco. So until next time. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen.